Welcome to the CPro Podcast. I'm Executive Editor Arlen Schweiger. So is 8K ready for prime time? Well, it seems like an odd question to be asking since it feels like the industry only recently converted to 4K, but with the gaming community as a driving force behind 8K content, the momentum is already building for the next wave of video resolution. But what does 8K actually bring to the table in terms of color gamut and HDR? How will 8K alter video distribution? Will the current HDMI 2.1 spec support 8K AV over IP? Well, these are just some of the burning questions that CE Pro editor Jason Knott posed to Mike and Leon Sinberg of Key Digital Systems in a joint recent podcast episode. As always, be sure to subscribe to CE Pro's YouTube channel and hit that like button on our videos or subscribe to the CE Pro podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. We deal with integrators both on the residential and the commercial side on a consistent basis who have just tons of questions about 8K. So I I actually solicited a, some from, from our readers that I am going to uh, uh, throw at, at, at Mike, the uh, the king of, of 8K, and see what he can if he can come up with the answers. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm uh, Mike Sinberg, president uh, and CEO of Key Digital Systems. We are in business for more than... 20 years making basically connectivity products for uh, residential and professional TV uh, marketplace. Um, and prior to that, I, I did some work for Philips and Toshiba in areas of high definition and DVD technology. So my, my whole experience was around digital television. Anyway, you look at it. Leon? My name is Leon Sinberg. I'm Mike's son. Um, I've been with Key Digital also from the beginning. Uh, for more than uh, 15 years, I've been uh, the business development manager at Key Digital Systems. Um, you know, the market has constantly evolved and uh, we've evolved with it. Um, we now see a growth in uh, light commercial, heavy commercial, um, not so much residential, but it's still there. And uh, I'm very excited to be in this industry uh, insofar as it's constantly evolving. After all, we are selling technology. So uh, with the emergence of 8K, that opens up a lot of opportunities. And um, we're living in a more and more connected world with more and more screens. I just saw a recent article on 8K that people's TV sizes are getting bigger, but their homes are not. That's the interesting part. And I think that's going to be one of the driving forces behind 8K is People gonna uh, are getting bigger and bigger displays, but their living rooms aren't getting much bigger. So they're gonna need a way to uh, look at uh, higher resolution images as the content becomes more prevalent. So I don't want to take up too much time because Mike is the guru. He's a very humble person who has more than 44 patents, I believe is the number now, in high-definition technology, including one of the original... Um, broadcast technologies, ATSC and others that uh, utilize dual band to implement. A lot of people say 720p was the first HD, but really 1080i was. And now we're dealing, when we're talking about 8K, we're talking about 16 times greater than 1080p, which is 32 times greater than 1080i. So I'd like Mike, obviously, to take it away. Uh, and uh, I'm, uh, I'll give as much insight as I can in this industry. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. Great. So, Jason, let's start with the, with you. I mean, you probably have very interesting questions. 
I do. So let, let's kind of set the stage first, though. Is, Mike, give us a sense of what is the state of, of 8K in terms of um, the, the prevalence of its usage, both on the commercial and the residential side. And then the second part of that question is what is the state of the content on 8K? But let me talk about what maybe first address the 8K prevalence first. Okay. Um, well, it's interesting that uh, 4K, uh, when 4K started to be uh, more relevant and uh, you know, manufacturers started to make 4K TVs, we in the industry were looking at that and said, wait a second, is this too much of pixels? You know, 1080p is, is good enough. You know, how, how does it, uh, anybody will ever look at 4K? Where is the content? All the same questions. It happens very quickly, though. Um, 4K became a de facto standard very quickly. Um, TVs are being made now exclusively 4K. Um, there's very little of actually 1080p TVs made these days, which is full HD, uh, mostly 4K. And uh, the content is, is uh, basically present everywhere. And since content now mostly distributed by streaming methods, uh, the cable TV is, is uh, very difficult for cable TV or some satellite TV to deliver 4K actually on a constant basis. The setup box deployed, uh, a lot of them is big money to change them. There's a lot of impediments. But if you talk about streaming, the streaming is extremely uh, flexible, extremely fast. The new players are not expensive. They appear very quickly. The smart TVs now have streamers built in inside. So it happens that streaming... Streaming uh, content distribution uh, it came ahead of any other methods. And this 4K is quite prevalent. 4K displays are quite prevalent. And the uh, uh, that seems to be now the state of the art. And it, yes, as Leon mentioned, TVs grew in size because you cannot really see anything on a uh, 35-inch 4K TV. I mean, no, no, no much different than 1080p. You have to go 55 and higher and sit really... Um, not far away to, to appreciate the 4K content. So yeah, TVs go bigger, probably uh, since the household remain constant. As Leon said, it ma makes people closer to TVs per picture height. You know, the distance of uh, uh, that amount of space it takes in your eye. And uh, that 4K became actually now state of the art in residential everywhere. Now, as far as commercial, uh, we don't see as much traction there for many other reasons, because in commercial displays, the content origination sometimes is done by uh, local computers or it's done by some kind of streaming device. It's not a broadcast studio. Uh, the content developed quite quickly. The attention span of the customer to the screen is much, much lower than in residential when he watches a movie. He, he walked by information display or he's in the bar or she's in the in retail store and all of this is attention span is not quite there so the commercial space is still 1080p sometimes 4k but mostly 1080p because it's less expensive easier to distribute less expense to create content and uh, actually makes you know um, um, makes business wise probably uh sense as well so yeah and now when you ask about 8k i i'm very careful to to put the same kind of question mark you know what we're going to do with uh 
with that gimmick? Who's going to make it? You know, uh, the industry went quickly from uh, 1080p4K, and uh, it's probably is, is driven now to go from 4K to 8K in the same way, you know. And it all starts with displays. Since displays become more and more available, uh, everything else starts to uh, jump into competition pool. I heard that uh, Netflix has a few 8K shows already, and this is the biggest streaming platform. I think others will also uh, join. I think uh, some of the sports, uh, NHK created some 8K uh, sports sports events, which is also beautiful. And I'm sure it's like everything else, but done by NHK is very exclusive and it's not really business target. But as a technology demonstration is probably uh, very nice. And so I think the the now we're looking at for 8K probably as a as as a replacement uh, down the line to four to four K based on the receivers and uh, receivers keep keep improving. There's new technologies coming in. The sizes are grow. TVs become lighter and easier to install. They incorporate more and more of streaming uh, playing platforms. So there's less and less wires and devices outside. Even though they will never disappear, I'm sure. And this is a kind of a, uh, I think, uh, I cannot say that 8K is doomed because I looking at 4, 1080p to 4K transition, I think we'll see similar 4K to 8K transition, even, even though it's hard to say the time-wise what will happen. It all depends on price, but it will, it, will, it will be the same kind of a dilemma. Here, TVs are present. Some streaming services want to get ahead of others create more and more show this way, even though they may take actually originally 4K shows and upconvert them in the studio and transmit them as 8K content, which happened a lot in, in our industry. So they may not be originally even having 8K resolution, but it will carry 8K metadata and will show everywhere that's 8K show and that by itself will create marketing drive. So I think we will see it now uh, rolling out um, you know, sooner or later with, uh, um, you know, I'm quite confident the 8K TVs will, will become a 4K TVs or what is 4K to 90P now. They became a, a highest price, larger screens, more attractive, and uh, they'll move the industry, pull them, pull the industry with them, the streaming services and the content production. Yeah, so do you see... And I'll ask you this, Leon, because you're out there in the field talking to, to, to everybody every day. Is there demand for uh, 8K? And is the driver, as you mentioned earlier, the bigger and bigger screens? Or I go back to something that, that Mike just mentioned there, sports. You know, that that, that, that high resolution is, is a high demand amongst people who want to watch the, their sports. And I think movies and content kind of follow sports. But maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? Yeah, no, I really appreciate you asking me that question. So um, the the first 8K broadcast of sports actually occurred at the 2020 Olympic Games in Japan. So those that were able to take advantage of that. And I remember when 1080i came out, the CBS broadcasted the first Super Bowl in 1080i, which was unbelievably exciting. I think that your question is probably the most important question um, in this industry because it's the content that's always thrown the curveball in this industry. For example, if you remember back to uh, Betamax versus VHS, 
you know, it ultimately turned out that the porn industry adopted VHS and took Betamax uh, off, which was a better technology. DVD was uh, the fastest growing technology that ever emerged, um, you know, adapting in less than one year. So going to the question right now about streaming, um, I think that's the biggest curveball because on one hand, you have the panels, which are 8K. On the other hand, you you need the content. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing um, 8K cameras um, that aren't that expensive because of the demand of streaming in the industry, YouTube and um, Instagram and social media and everything else where any person can pick up a camera and start um, broadcasting and even making money from that broadcast. Unlike the old days where it was CBS, NBC, you had to wait for a major uh, production company to release content. These days, most co- ma- many much content is just based on individuals. Like I think YouTube has something like 44 million new videos per day. And people are, are making, a, I don't know the exact number, but people are making an ex, uh, a living on, on going out there with their camera, on travel shows, on food shows. And so I think that is the biggest curveball that may drive 8K faster. You know, industry, um, new technology prevalence in this regard usually takes about seven years. Um, we already have content in the gaming space with uh, with the new PlayStation, for example, with 8K. So gaming is a big part of it. But the fact that um, a person can buy an 8K camera for maybe $2,500, um, go out there, start uh, streaming in 8K, assuming you have 100 megabits per second bandwidth to take in that 8K, you can get that content coming out pretty quick, much faster than it takes a production studio to ramp up their their whole production in in the time frame of years or even movie stu- studios to do it. Um, so I think that's a big curveball. Whether or not I predict the prevalence of content coming faster, I don't know. But I suspect that that's going to be the biggest curveball of this technology is the fact that the individual now is a big content creator who's not so dependent on major production studios. And on one hand, the panels will drive the industry forward. I also think the cameras will drive the industry forward. And the fact that you have Google, Instagram, Facebook, and others now sitting as a as media centers for the content, you're going to see a faster drive in 8K. That That's my prediction on the curveball of this emerging technology. I think you hit all the, the nails on the head there because I... I do believe gaming is one of the the, uh, the, the elements that's going to bring this wave of content more into uh, the home. And then it's funny, just as an off an offshoot, you know, when we were kids, we wanted to be astronauts and baseball players. Now the most popular thing for a kid is they, they want to be a YouTube star. I saw that for very, very young kids. It's amazing. So it's exactly what you're just saying, Leon. You know, so- uh, I mean, you know, people just like anything else, there there are YouTube stars that are making millions of dollars per year just with their camera. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people who want to jump on board that and Instagram and people are, are a lot of people are making a living outside of the normal content creator avenues, which is Hollywood or uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, any any major company, they're all catching up to those content creators. And those content creators are competing. So if they come out with 8K, 
Um, what's the investment for a for an average content creator? Let's say an 8K TV is fifteen thousand dollars. Sounds like a lot of money, but if you're making a living on this and then you buy an 8K camera for twenty five hundred, your your investment of twenty twenty five thousand dollars for your livelihood as an individual is like buying a car. You know, are you going to buy a car? Are you going to create something that's going to drive? Uh, content and make you money immediately. Sounds to me like it's not just an expenditure like it was in the old days, like a luxury to have a, a, a device like this in your house. But now it's an investment. And I think that's going to drive the market very strongly. Um, so what you you actually point out, a very interesting thing, is that uh, Jason opened up a question, said, what are the broadcasters or what is the main media uh, company will do with that key? And some of the answers we're coming out to, who cares? And right. there's going to be a lot of local content that uh, may drive this stuff. Yeah, games, definitely. By the way, games, uh, once the software is created, they actually create an extremely high-quality, consistent image. It's not like based on your how foggy your, your lens is. It's always good quality image, so that's good. But the YouTube and small cameras, cheap 8K cameras, they won't look any better than 1080p, believe me. They'll say 8K, but it, it won't really be that content. But yes, the marketing of it, the branding of it, uh, 8K, my, I have an 8K and you don't. You know, I have a better car and you don't. That that creates competition. That drives drives the market. And maybe you're right. Maybe the 8K, maybe the locally made content will, will more be our driving force than before studios will cough up crazy amount of money to create really high quality, really high quality, 8K, true 8K production. Let, let, very let me, interesting. Yeah. Last thing, let me put it this way. So if I have 100,000 followers, which I don't because I'm not that popular guy and I don't uh, review restaurants all day like my friend does, I love him to death. If you have 100,000 followers, you are making a living already okay so you're generating an income for yourself you don't necessarily need a job if you have a million followers you're you're making even more income that way so uh it's not so much driven of warner brothers having to invest uh, half a billion dollars it's more like the five hundred thousand person follower who's actually making a living on this invests uh, you know mike says okay maybe the 8k camera is more than 2500 if you want a true camera but whatever the number is you, you're making an investment into your income and that's going to drive more followers more subscribers and more money for you so again it's not a luxury it's not me wanting to go on a trip to paris and get nice pictures it's a real way to make money that people are taking advantage of today and i think that's what's going to drive it faster all right i had several questions that i got from our readers and i'm going to kind of consolidate a couple of them um one was, I'll, I'll read this specific question, but I think the general uh, question here, Mike, is, is just what is my best practice in terms of trying to distribute 8K signals? But the question was, does HDMI 2.1's current spec support the distribution of uncompressed 8K at 60 hertz using active optical cable, or should I consider using other resources like AV over IP? Yeah, it depends uh, in what environment. Uh, the the 2.1 demand is for, for 48 gigabit. If you put 48 gigabit on a straight copper cable, it's probably won't go farther than six feet. You know, it's uh, you need and and 2.1 actually allows some compression 
to lower the rate and to go go farther. So it, it is impossible to think about 48 gig or 2.1 as strictly baseband, uh, I mean, uncompressed. Uh, it, it can be done, but it's hard. It, it's probably, if you're talking about the longer length, it's definitely, you have to use fiber for that. But fiber is not the same. There's no real uh, hard standard. Everybody has a little bit of a different format. And the fiber is also not as standard, let's say, as uh, HDMI is these days. Um, using AV over IP is, again, depends on application. You know, if it's a commercial establishment or residential establishment. Uh, uh, as far as uh, AV over IP uh, using uh, 8K standard, you need to have high compression engine on both sides. So if if you have if you have a game machine that outputs baseband, let's say at, at 2.1 at 48 gig, then you have to compress it down uh, to transmit uh, short distance. Then you have to compress it at low rate. Then the latency won't be that visible. And for gaming, that's fine. But gaming becomes extremely sensitive to higher latency. So if you if you compress it at higher rate to 100 megabits or so, that will be latency could go half a second. That's definitely unacceptable for real-time application. For playback, it's fine, but for real-time interaction, it's not doable. So it it's really depends on application. It has to be really well thought out. Uh, the 8K won't map into 4K as far as connectivity because of the tremendous bandwidth requirement. And actually, HDMI itself comes to physical limit. Of if if you can have HDMI cables for 4K running even 20 30 feet, uh, it's it's very hard to imagine that baseband 30 20 30 feet cat will be available. But they will run definitely using the uh, low rate compression mode, which is basically transparent. So I would say if he if that person wants to have um, sort of across compatibility and the ranges are the lengths are not very long. I would stay with highest quality copper connection he can get, a straight HDMI 2.1. Uh, that, But it, there's difference between 2.1 and 2.1. There is a there's a 2.1 that does not support 48 gig. It's so-called TMDS, old-fashioned. They'll go to 24 gig. You have to have the latest uh, 2.1, which support FRL, and go to 48 gig. In that case, uh, yes, he can he can definitely make that connection uh, for for his TVs. So AV over IP is a very good way of having a large system with a lot of sources and display managed from the central switching uh, uh, IP switch, and it's very good for establishments, for commercial deployment, even for large homes. Uh, it is probably will work very well. But there's no yet 8K. Uh, HDMI, AV over IP, you know, with low uh, compression ratio, yet uh, chips on the market, and there's therefore there's no real system that allow it. Although it's all will be based around Cat5, I'm sure. Cat5, Cat6, cabling. So if his question is cabling, I would put the best quality Cat6A cable in the world, um, shielded. And th that cable would definitely be uh, the, the carrier for every new standard up to 48 gig using compression. There's no question about it. By the way, HDMI cable itself is actually CAT6A cable with additional wires. So <laughs> if he puts wires, if he puts HDMI cable into the walls, then he actually has a future 
he can still reuse it as cat 6a cable actually by reterminating the ends so there is a way of of dealing with it so if you want me to give you the absolutely basic universal connectivity the wire i would say cat 6a and i would say that the industry will work very hard to provide extenders on both end of that cable without without doubt for 18 already done 24 and 48 gig so leon are these the type of uh questions that you run into daily when you're out there talking to integrators and they have an application and you know mike just went through all these permutations of considerations that you need to have in order to determine exactly what the system topology is going to be is that kind of thing that you that you can bring that expertise from key digital to bear with them and help designing the system is that or is it typically that the integrators know what they want to design and are they right half the time? Are they wrong half the time? What are you finding? What do you see? Well, I see that um, integrators, like what Mike was just saying, they, they, what they want is they want to future-proof the system as much as possible. Um, they uh, rarely, you know, I mean, we, we rarely get into discussions on board rates and uh, things like that because we use um, technology that's available to integrate today. So we take a look at the specs. We take a look at what distances they need and what resolutions they need, and the uh, practically designed systems. Uh, we rarely get into deep tech, uh, you know, deep discussions on board rates and um, HDMI standards, but it does come up, um, you know, because people want the latest and greatest, or, and it always depends on the customer's price point. So if the, on occasion, the customer may want to go 1080i because uh, they want to save some money, and that's understandable. Um, and some of them won, won 8K. They want the latest and greatest. So um, in between that, what we make sure to do is we make sure that whatever they specify, we're able to offer um, in terms of uh, distances, designs, amount of TVs that are able to go into that system. Mike was talking about AV over IP. Um, you know, we have systems that have at least 256 uh, displays in them. Uh, that do right now 4K, it's not 8K, but do 4K, um, massive systems, casinos, um, you know, uh, some projects I'm not at uh, liberty to talk about, um, command centers. And I think that circles back to 8K as well, because the, the question really comes down to the technology and what they're trying to do. Oftentimes, if you have a, uh, a government um, buyer who needs very high resolution and needs to put a lot of images on a screen, um, we'll discuss things like, you know, where, what kind of bandwidths you need and what kind of network you need to facilitate those kind of things, um, you know, and whether or not, you know, the, the prevalence of a future 8K will come about so that they could really see details behind picture-in-picture um, picture and stuff like that and multi-viewers. So, um, you know, nine times out of ten, we're not having super technical discussions. We're, t we're talking more practicality sources, displays, um, you know, what kind of connection standards you need. Um, and then often, and then they'll say, well, will this uh, work with the next level of USB? Will this work with the next level of HDMI? So we always try to future-proof it as much as possible. Um, but uh, on a day-to-day, on -day, it's more like we, we take a broader stroke and we look at the entire system and we see what we can do to... Uh, get all their needs going in the system, whether it be a command center, a church, a school, um, a government installation, a command center, a uh, huddle room, a conference room, 
Um, th that's typically a day-to-day. -day. How many displays? Is it a sports bar, uh, lobby, um, high uh, commercial building, fitness center? The point is these systems are going everywhere. So uh, as people are getting more and more connected, even basic posters that are up, let's say in a corporate lobby, just a poster, is now becoming a video wall. Um, so that's really what we're talking about. And they want to know, um, one, what's the technology? And two, what's, what's your company's experience in bringing that technology? And um, what's your track record in making these kind of systems happen? And will they work for three, five, seven, nine, ten plus years? Um, that's without turning them off ever. That's really the kind of questions uh, we get on a day to day. So another question I had here, Mike, and again, I hate to be super technical, but you are the technical guru. Uh, somebody asked um, about 120 hertz refresh rates. And um, how realistic is it that we're going to see either 4K at 120 uh, um, or 8K at 60 um, in the next couple of years? Or is, is that just they keep just expanding the number? Or is that refresh rate uh not going to get to that 120 hertz level. I think this 120 is a is a gaming number. Uh, gamers love love those numbers. The broadcast and content production, I don't think really care about such high bit rate. The original content is still done at 24. So uh, gamers are driving some sets of the subsets of the industry and 2.1 supports 4k at 120 or 8k at 60 so they need 2.1 infrastructure to to realize 120 i think displays themselves uh will also try try to be at 120 um the um, they don't actually care about you know the 120 will be available at 8k as well but for the transmission bandwidth and connectivity is always going to be trade-off uh, do you go 8K60 or 4K120? And uh, some games will probably be more beneficial at 120. Other uh, games will be probably not so sensitive. So I think uh, it's definitely realistic and it's definitely within the spec. And it's already being uh, casted as a, as a corner spec for, for HDMI. So 120 is driven by gamers and the number of gamers is not diminishing. Uh, machines will become more and more fast and sophisticated. Now, if we're talking about big screens, they're more immersive. And if they're more immersive, the, the screen, you, you close it to the screen, that means the refresh rate becomes also more and more sensitive. So, no, there's, there's absolutely no prohibition against 120. It's definitely uh, going to be part of the spec of every connectivity device. Uh, because, listen, this is one of the things that's actually left for our industries to connect uh, devices is not built in inside TV set, right? So if the smart TV has everything possible inside, still game machines, a lot of them are outside. And um, and since they have such high demand of bandwidth, not necessarily the retail laptops or iPads can actually deliver you this kind of gaming experience. So you need a, a dedicated machine like PS5 or like, uh, um, you know, the Microsoft player so the uh, the 120 is definitely part of the spec and when when people will will try to decide how to connect they will probably see a dilemma or even a record or playback they'll see a dilemma should i do 4k 120 
or 8K60, but both of them are part of uh, 2.1 standard at 48 gig. Very good point. All right, I got one last question here. Somebody asked me to ask you about um, wider color gamuts in uh, 8K and um, if that's full support there for dynamic HDR, um, Dolby Vision, HDR+, plus, 10+, plus, those sorts of things are... Are those going to be fully supported in 8K? Uh, in TVs, definitely. Uh, they will be supported and they compete on that. Uh, this kind of uh, HDR, as you as you saw, progressed. You remember we started with simple HDR. Then Dolby Vision had some competition to it, a really good one. Uh, so they moved to HDR10 and HDR10+, and now uh, newer formats. And those are... Uh, part of the delivery. Uh, there's more and more understanding in public that not only resolution makes the difference, also makes HDR makes a difference, the contrast ratio, the black level, all of this becomes part of part of the usual day vocabulary. If you look at TV set now, Jason, you probably, I, I look at TV set now, how good the quality of the pictures are. I mean, when we developed high def in, in late 80s, <laughs> We saw first, uh, you know, 1080 720p picture. We thought we're in heaven. What we see now in a retail screen that running with the speed of light, uh, it's 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 ways ahead of what we have been developing. And all this little, <laughs> interesting enough, you originally we were skeptical. Will these little differences make actually attractive? Yes, they are. They 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 become attractive. People see them once they. Once they used to state of the art, every little advantage they see, and then marketing zooms in on this and try to sell their own brand, their own product, their own box, and the industry just cannot stop. You know this this kind of a free free markets continuously improve in every possible direction. So yeah, I'm I'm sure the well I don't know how Dolby Vision licensing actually works, and if they make it widely available, that's a very nice standard. But if not maybe all content provider can use it, and definitely there's going to be others that that's the standards like HDR, HDR10 plus, and other uh, uh, you know dynamic range standards. So yeah, this is plus the the way the dynamic range standard developed, it's not really tremendously bandwidth consuming, and it's it it has a little bit of penalty, but not tremendous. You know, originally when we talked about HDR, we said, oh my god, you know, like an iPhone, we HDR will take ten times more space. No, no, no. The way video is delivered, the HDR has a small penalty for for visible uh, improvement of picture quality, and that's always a selling formula. I I also just want to jump in real quick. I remember uh, the old original Star Trek series actually had CRT displays. So in a way, we've progressed a little bit beyond that, and then eventually they moved to LCDs. I think one of the main um, driving forces of 8K is going to be um, pushing into the projector market. Again, going into picture quality. People still buy projectors for home and business use. And I think when uh, what, what really stands out with 8K is going to be bigger uh, screens and you're going to want to see them closer uh, and, the, and the pixels will be uh, a lot smaller. So I think when you look at uh, the projector industry, you're going to start seeing panels uh, creeping in there more and more due to the advantage of just having an 8K display. I know I diverged a little bit from your question. I just wanted to uh, chime in there just on a, on a global uh, outlook of it. Now, I mean, and to Mike, to your point, when you look at the TVs now, 
I sometimes have to catch myself thinking that I'm seeing a 3D image because the, mm -hmm. the, the images are so crisp. Um, but it's funny. I'm going to I'll throw a point out at you because I can remember a few years ago at Cedia, the director, Barry Sonnenfeld, came and he had just completed a Netflix series uh, called The Series of Unfortunate Events. And they had upgraded it to HDR and he hated it. Because he said that from a filmmaker standpoint, he, HDR was a wonderful solution for sports. All sports should be in it. You can see the hockey puck perfectly, et cetera, et cetera. But that it shouldn't be a de facto situation for for movies and you know art, other art forms. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Is there a place for for content that doesn't have that high res that high resolution? Well, did he his experience based on HDR or Dolby Vision? HDR. Yeah, Netflix took it the second season of his show and and uh, convert up converted it to HDR, and he was very upset about it. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm very upset with straightforward all HDR as well. I couldn't watch it. You know, it's it's too harsh. It's always the same. I mean, I understand that sometimes you want to see highlight. But I don't want to see highlight in every scene. You know, it has to be. So when you compare Dolby Vision and HDR, it was a big difference because Dolby Vision addressed it very uh, intelligently and flexibly. And in Dolby Vision, you would see a highlight when a producer or director wants you to see a highlight. So you, he was managing you, what are you going to see? And he does not, when he does not use it, you see normal pictures. So yeah, HDR, HDR, straight HDR, flat, same enhancement throughout the picture, I don't like. I fully agree with him. But newer versions of HDR, Dolby Vision, HDR 10 Plus, dynamic systems, they, I think, enhance, in my opinion, enhance visual experience. And definitely will directors will like them because that's what you see in the movie theater. When you go to the movie theater, you shut off all the lights. And even you have a low contrast picture, you won't, you won't be able to watch it in full light. But when everything in dark, your eye moves to the to the area where highlight is really highlight. You know, when 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 bright beam of light or sun shines hard compared to other, that's HDR in a way. You know, that's the way it's done. You bring it to a TV set at home, you need a, a, a large brightness, large contrast, but you need the same criteria. You cannot just use it throughout every frame the same way it, it it really i really was i really was questioning then same like he does when i see first hdr examples you know people i i was turning it off because i couldn't watch i had to go to the menu and turn it off but what what dolby vision did it really nice i i i never actually turn it off because it's always comes in in a proportional way that content producer really wants. So it's HDR to HDR is a very big difference. Just three letters, but big difference. Yeah, I think his, it made it look like the old British TV shows that we, you know, from the, that it looked kind of like that fishbowl kind of look to it. And they didn't look real, you know, in his opinion. So yeah. um, that's a good point on Dolby Vision. I, I like that on HDR 10 plus. So, um, so those are the key questions that I had from from our, from our readers for you, and I know they were excited to, to have me talk to you today. So um, I don't have anything else unless there's there, some specific area you 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 or Mike or Leon wanted to, to go into. What what did you hear from uh, 
from the readers as far as um, accepting new new tech. How they do they see the difference between OLED, QLED, micro LED? Is there any discussion in that area? Uh, absolutely. I know they're very excited about that. Samsung has finally come out with an OLED now, um, and that, that that's something that they can bring to their uh, readers. And you know, and from their standpoint, 4K was a godsend because it took them from TVs they weren't making any money on to to now um, TVs that they, they could they could make money on to. And I think they're thinking the same thing with 8K that this is a, a rev you know revenue opportunity. Obviously, they're they're servicing the cus serving the customer. The customer is going to demand it. They're not going to oversell the customers or something he doesn't want. But um, uh, I think your point was well taken at the very beginning about, you know, we saw we didn't think 4K was ever going to get adopted this quickly. And look at how quickly it happened. And so I know integrators are already seeing, you know, now there's this glut of TVs, you know, the the, the, the TV, the, 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 the deals that are out there. One of my friends the other day just got a, 70 something inch for $500. I think it wow. was yeah. Wow. At, at target. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. So, um, uh, so I think the integrators are excited about having the, you know, TVs continue to get bigger. They're serving the, the, you know, affluent clientele anyway, on the residential side in particular. So even if the economy turns here, you know, that, that luxury into the market seems to be, mostly insulated um um i can't say that that still happened in 2009 2008 there was still a dip there you know people didn't want to show opulence but i think um the luxury into the market right now is still going to be very insulated and i think 8k is going to be ramp up pretty quickly at that high end i hope so yeah, yeah and i i think on the commercial side too um uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for some people, a fifteen thousand dollar display is uh, a luxury they can afford, and if they can, and they want to, um, you know, the size of the room is the same, and they want to view something uh, very beautiful, they can. Uh, but I also see uh, like the magic of Times Square when you see these massive, massive TVs and uh, curved TVs and uh, you know corporate lobbies and places where you know people say, you know, I want to make a little bit of an investment here, not just because it looks good, but because it's good for business. At the end of the day, so no. um, yeah. So uh, Jason, for example, um, me and Leon Anderson discussed. He was in the market to buy a TV set, and he said, "What to buy?" <laughs> By OLED, he goes to me. Well, it's almost twice as expensive uh, or more. I said, "Well, take a look at the picture quality." And the other, the other LEDs, other variations that you know, they they have really great specs. But this difference in in picture quality still allowed him to buy almost double cost display. It's also showed me another example. I remember days when. Uh, first plasma period, you know, the, the state of the art TVs were $300. And we were, I, I was working for Toshiba then, and they were they were laughing. They were saying, who will go on the market and buy a $1,000 TV? Guess what? They were buying $3,000 TV as, as there's no tomorrow because the picture quality was so much more attractive. The form factor was there. And, you know, so uh, it looks like OLED is the, is that what you also hear that OLED now is a sort of a the center point of all the quality uh, thing. I, I heard a lot of some companies trying to do micro LEDs, but that still seems to be uh, in in still in infancy. It's not really taking off. 
Yeah, um, I've, it's funny. I'm just getting ready to write a story about a big uh, micro LED wall installation out in uh, for a, um, Clive Davis, the uh, uh, the big movie movie producer, um, did it, and he, I think he's a 90 year old you know man. And so it was he was he had a projection room, but he was the delay in terms of activating the projector and everything was just too slow for for him and they put in a micro led uh wall but again that also then deals with the one especially if you're going corner to corner now you got to deal with the audio the the uh, the audio solution to go with that micro led wall is at least in a home environment you've got to get a little bit creative there um because you can't put the speakers in front of the wall you're gonna you know now you're not going to be able to go corner to corner necessarily or you can't put it behind the screen because it's not perforated like a screen a projection screen is. So that creates an audio problem as to why I not, I'm not sure where micro led is going to go in terms of the residential community because of that. So you think micro led will probably more land in the commercial. That's my, that's what I believe. Because the, the brightness is so insane. LED considered to be really bright. Uh, I don't imagine how you use more brighter screens at home, but in commercial establishments, that's definitely the case. Yeah. Because yeah. LED definitely steps out from OLED in brightness, basically. The, the peak I'm, brightness is much better. I'm a fan, a big fan of uh, sci-fi. And if you ever remember the old book, Fahrenheit 451, written by Ray Bradbury, yeah. and the the uh, the the uh, main protagonist Montag, his wife was upset because they only had a two or three wall TV. <laughs> they had everybody had multi wall TVs in the house in their houses, and they didn't. And so she was very upset with him because he they didn't have the extra wall. So who knows? Maybe he knew what he was talking about, and at some point, houses. Yeah. TVs aren't just going to be on one wall. It's going to be on multiple walls inside the home. Could be, be and, you, and you don't need uh, light bulbs either. You just uh, turn TVs on when you need light. Yeah.